As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. My name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. the Implications columnist of the Imps Adventure series on LawsOfPain.net and your perfect and wrestling host right here on Laws of Pain Radio as I bash my finger on the table, being enthusiastic with my intro. Uh, I do not know how much is going live. There seems to be a, like a 35-second delay between the actual studio and uh, the call that I'm on, but everything seemed to click fine, so uh, I don't know. So you might miss a bit of the intro in the uh, in the actual uploaded audio that goes up later but anyway anyway i'm live i was meant to be recording but with all of the issues i didn't get the recorder up so suck it <laughs> this is where we're at now uh anyway before we get into things uh please do recommend that you please do check out the other laws of pain radio shows here on laws of pain radio uh friday we've got the right side of the pond with math plan and mazza uh, saturday is our new show all about all elite from the men who bought you the wtw legacy series who are also in that show doing the mlwc mlw legacy series that's easy for me to say uh, so yeah they're doing a legacy series for mlw from episode one and obviously they're a few weeks in now but if you're interested in mlw you want to know about it uh they're doing doing it justice uh, sunday the doc has returned and he is on every sunday with the doc says a wide variety of topics, talking WWE and New Japan as well. So it's more just a happy fandom. Uh, Monday's the Kingdom of Honor with Jan Man and his friend Jeff talking Minervaga and New Japan and whatever else. Uh, Tuesday is Global Revolution talking all of the other outside of all around the world wrestling. <laughs> I didn't know how to word that for a second, but it's in the name. Uh, and live after SmackDown, we have One Nation Radio with Rich Latter and James Boyd. And finally, Wednesday is Plans, Sports Entertainment is Dead, where he's currently doing a watch-along for the Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels matches from WrestleMania. Part one of that is up already, so if you want to listen to that, uh, I highly recommend it. The first watch-along for the Royal Rumble was great. I'm sure this one is as well. <laughs> kind of also spilling the beans that I've not listened to it yet. And the third is me. Hooray. Uh, also, the uh, 2009 LOP Hall of Fame class ballots have all been counted in. I said this last week, but just a little reminder that the count, the votes are being counted. Uh, so you'll see that up within the next week or couple of weeks or so on the Lords of Pain. It'll be at the top of the news page once it's finally posted. 
And also, the king of the columnists tournament has now finished down in the columns forum, where we had a selection of writers. I want to say 16. I'm not sure if that's right. <laughs> there could have been two. It could have just been eight. <laughs> I think it was 16. Uh, writers took part in this tournament, including uh, including Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Donovan from uh, Social Suplex, who also dropped down to take part as well. But anyway... So uh, we've had our final, which pitted Samuel Plan taking on Clive from the Vicky and Clive show, also under the moniker of Tour of Five Clive. If you want to see him writing our uh, Tour of Five Live results up here in Old Spain. Uh, both of them submitted fantastic pieces of writing, but in the end, Plan was crowned king, and it's not affected his ego at all. <laughs> so go to his Twitter to see numerous gifts of people walking around with scepters and crowns and <laughs> things. So, yes, I think he's happy that he won. So anyway, if you listened to the show last week that I did with Burn, which is obviously available for listening and whatnot, uh, we kind of tried out a new format on the cuff. We, we didn't mean to do it like that, but it kind of ended up like that, and I liked it in a way. And uh, so that's kind of the plan, after a bit more talking, that's kind of the plan for the format going forward a bit. So I'm going to be doing it by myself as a kind of integration period, switching from what we were doing with the uh, network shows. Because, again, if you don't know... Uh, what the plan is with the network shows is once a month we will do a show that was that. So instead of it being every single week, once a month there will be a network special. And if we can, every single time we'll have Clive from the Vic and Clive show joining us to help talk about said network shows and just bring it all into one month rather than talk about it every single week. There's quite a lot to talk about anyway. So for me that kind of helps. Because I don't have to rush and watch so much within a week, I can kind of space it out a bit. But speaking of lots and lots of viewing... It's not just WWE where's uh, a lot with. Uh, so uh, the Kingdom of Honor guys will cover this, and Doc is covering it himself. But I'm oh, I'm up watching them live all the time, and I'm also uh, writing columns on it when I can. But the New Japan Cup is taking place, so I wrote a preview of the round two. And so, so now we're advanced, and we've got who are in the semi-final. So the quarter-final, the second one was this morning, and the semi-finals are set. Semi-final one is Tomohiro Ichii taking on fellow Chaos stablemate Kazuchika Okada. Yes, the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the favourite to win the tournament. And the other semi-final is Hiroshi Tanahashi versus LIJ's Los Ingo Benabla de Japon's Sanada. So, two interesting ones where you could, you've got your favourites, but you've also got your solid wrestlers as well. One is more of a veteran solid wrestler in Ichii, and then you've got Sanada who is the rising solid wrestler he's put on. He's shown that he can hang <laughs> with the main eventers. So this we could see an interesting upset from Sanada, and yes, it is an upset. But however, Tanahashi, Okada, maybe they'll do something there, especially as last year the results were one win, one draw, and one loss between, the, between Okada and Tanahashi, with Tanahashi getting that final win, defending his G1 Climax uh, briefcase. So maybe in Okada's rise, the final note could be him beating Tanahashi, or we could see an upset from Sanada, and this could be Sanada stepping into the spotlight. Probably not winning, but he could stop. Spot, I can't say it. He could step into the spotlight. But anyway, so the New Japan Cup, the final is coming up soon. And of course, the big thing about the New Japan Cup is the winner faces Jay White for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in the main event of Madison Square Garden. So the Ring of Honor Madison Square Garden show. So that is, yeah, <laughs> for me, that's quite a. Big, it's given a lot of weight to the New Japan Cup. <laughs> Suddenly, like the winner main event Madison Square Garden. That's not a little thing, especially as somebody looked it up. This is the first time since oh, it's a minimum of 50 years. <laughs> I think it was about 50 years 
so yes, yeah, it's been about 50 years since a company that wasn't a wrestling company that wasn't WWE has held a show in Madison Square Garden. And they've not just held it, they've sold it out as well. So it's kind of mental. <laughs> this is the kind of just looking at what's happening. It's just, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so it's quickly, again, the Kingdom of Honor guys on Monday will talk more through it as well. And especially if you listened this week, would have heard the latter of the two matches we're going to quickly mention. So we know about that what that match, but also we're going to get a Ring of Honor TV Championship versus the Never Openweight Championship. I think it's winner takes all. So that's, that's quite high stakes. But it's Ring of, Ring of Honor TV Champion Jeff Cobb, who is like, he's my indie boy. <laughs> he's one I'm supporting. Uh, versus Never Openweight Champion Will Ospreay. Jeff Cobb, Will Ospreay. Yes. <laughs> As the meme goes, hook that into my veins. <laughs> yes. Oh, Big Lad versus uh, a guy. I guess, when I say Big Lad, Jeff Cobb is very Samoa Joe. He's like a modern-day Samoa Joe. <laughs> is, and as a massive Samoa Joe fan, I mean that in the, with the highest compliment. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I really highly rate Jeff Cobb for half a year. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to see him on this kind of stage. Uh, uh, his match against Hangman Page at the last Ring of Honor show, I think, in December, was... For me, the match of the night by a mile. It was really, really good. And Will Ospreay, if you've heard it, you've seen his matches with Ricochet, seemingly they went viral, but he's been doing really good work with the bigger wrestlers. Now he's kind of stepped out of the junior division. So in the New Japan Cup, he took on a much bigger sized uh, foe in Lance Archer. I can't remember his name in WWE, but yeah, he was in uh, TNA, then he went to WWE, and now he's been in New Japan teaming up with former WWE wrestlers as well, uh, Dickie Boy Smith Jr. So, yeah, so, but he's a really tall lad. <laughs> and Will Ospreay had an amazing match against him. So, yes, Will Ospreay put on amazing performances against bigger lads. And this match for me is set to be... It could be match, <laughs> it could be match of the night. But with the main event potentially being White versus Okada... Oh, <laughs> my voice goes... Actually, I'll take this my tea. Hmm. Oh, I could feel myself speaking really quickly as my voice went. <clears throat> but, yeah... So, uh, with the main event being White versus Okada, that's quite high stakes as well. But for me, Cobb versus Osprey is the match I'm most looking forward to. Because I do want to quickly say, a bit, I feel kind of disappointed in the Ring of Honor side. Uh, just before I went live as well, uh, Silas Young tweeted that he'd been kind of told by Ring of Honor that they don't really have anything for him for the MSG show. Which, for somebody who's worked with that company for so long, I would have thought he would have been kind of the opening match of sorts. Kind of like uh, when he watched uh, AEW's All In. They, that spot at the start for the Briscoes, I was like, surely, sorry, uh, it was on the pre-show, but it was kind of the appetizer for the main show, and he put in the veteran talent that they, so AW, you know what I mean, it wasn't AW at the time, but it's technically an AW show. Uh, they put in the Briscoes, like the trusted veterans, to this is the appetizer. Whilst for this show, that's not really a thing, and Silas Young, for me, would have been perfect for that. If you can't get him on the main card, use him as the appetizer. But no, they're not done that. So he's not on the card for me, that's really... Weird. If you don't know who he is, he is like one of the trusted veteran wrestlers of Ring of Honor. He's got quite a following as well. His gimmick is kind of cool. I like it. He turned down NXT to re-sign with Ring of Honor, and then he's been like, near no, on the card, which is it's odd. But they are splitting it with New Japan. So it's not just a Ring of Honor card. It's Ring of Honor and New Japan. So that's the other question. Is it going to be a Ring of Honor show, or is it going to be a New Japan show? My gut says Ring of Honor, but I'd rather it would be more <laughs> New Japan. And anyway, so me talking about being a bit disappointed from the Ring of Honor side, the, there's an odd match with the, uh, it's the two, ch- two champions from either uh, promotion. 
So it's the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions and the IWGP Tag Team Champions. So IWGP side is the Careers of Destiny. But on the other side, it was the Briscoes, who are like, again, they are Ring of Honor. <laughs> one, of the, <laughs> one of the most well-known talents. Uh, but they lost it to uh, Villain Enterprises. So that would be PCO and uh, Brody King. <laughs> so that's it's odd. I don't know if they're doing champion versus champion or if they just do well-known tag team versus well-known tag team. I've, I've not really followed that. But the thing I'm kind of disappointed in is the main event for them, which is going to be a three-man ladder match. And the fact it wasn't the main event kind of... It was the mid, the, so I'm jumping all over the place. Jay Lethal is the champion. His vein has been air. Matt Taven was the challenger at the last Ring of Honor show. And the Ring of Honor World Championship took place not before the ladder match, but in the middle of the card. And that maybe tells you where the momentum is, where it's, it's right in the middle. It's not like your world, your main championship being there and not even close to the main event is kind of worrying in a way. But I don't know if they did that because it was a longer match or because they were set, it's using more of a setup rather than a payoff kind of like the tag team title match, which did main event was. But uh, Jay Lethal and Matt Haven, they had a one-hour draw, and it built up when apparently it was really, really good. I've not had the time to watch it. Again, it's an hour. I've struggled to get into WWE stuff. My brother's getting married at the end of April. I'm allowed. <laughs> Things are kind of busy right now. I'm meant to be writing a book. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Merry wedding to my brother. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, Jay Lethal and Matt Haven had their match, and Marty Skrull turned up at the end of it. So in the setup of that, when the TV recordings, uh, Jay Lethal, Marty Scott, and Matt Taven was set as a triple threat for the Ring of Honor New Japan Medicine's going on show, but it would also be a ladder match, which to me immediately I was like, I mean it could have been Lethal and Skull in a championship match, I would have been fine with that, or even Taven Skull, because then that could have been like top heel and top face in a way, because Jay Lethal is kind of there as trusted veteran. And he's not really got much support as like a top face, really. Well, he is a face, but he's not, he's not got the support of the top face, which I think is Marty Skull. I don't watch the television. But anyway, that's kind of about the New Japan Ring of Honor show, which is building up. I'm, New Japan seem to be doing the build a bit late, but they're building really well compared to Ring of Honor, where the, something feels we- really weird because they lost their main attractive talent and they've, they've they don't have time to build up that new talent and they've brought in good talent it's just that i don't know if it's a panic move to put the title on them and use madison square garden to kind of propel them for the future i'm not sure it, it's weird <laughs> really uh, a the aw being formed so close to this show has kind of really screwed them and they haven't had the time to develop the talent for this show Whilst New Japan are weirdly in a similar circumstance with their Western talent, where they do not have <laughs> their Western talent to kind of really put them in this main event and really draw a crowd. As in, with the card they've got, I don't think this show would have sold out. I don't think. However, they can give Japanese wrestling. So there is that. Okada will be there. Tanahashi will be there. Naito, Ishii. Again, Will Ospreay versus Jeff Cobb. That will be awesome. <laughs> the main event, Jay White versus Tanahashi. That should be really, really good as well. I think I've talked enough about that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so the reason I bring it up is because today's show is going to be talking about WrestleMania and kind of what's been building up to it. So it's more the weekend of WrestleMania. So we've got on Friday is NXT TakeOver. Then on Saturday is the New Japan Ring of Honor G1 Supercard show from live from Madison Square Garden. And then Sunday is obviously 
the eight or ten hours of WrestleMania. Oh, uh, that topic's going to be talked about to death, but... Uh, again, I did see there was that tweet that went viral, or not viral, but it did the rounds in wrestling Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, the tweet that did the rounds in wrestling Twitter was somebody saying, like, if you're complaining about the length of the show, like, just quit your whining kind of thing. And to which my immediate thought was, I mean, unless you live in Europe. <laughs> so for me, I think I'll be, again, especially as we're English, where moaning doesn't mean we don't, we're not going to like the thing. It just we moan. We're in British. We moan. We're not. We're not. We're not very positive <laughs> a lot of the time. But that doesn't mean we're being negative. If that makes any sense, it might come across as we're being negative, but we're not. It's, it's <laughs> maybe it's a culture difference. Maybe it's quite different to adjust to sometimes. But anyway, uh, the point being, for us, if the show is what eight hours and it starts at midnight, I think we're fine <laughs> to compl- not complain. Well, I guess moany complain because it's like. Jesus Christ, I'm going to be watching that main event with the morning birds chirping down my ear. <laughs> That's not going to be a very nice accompaniment. I can't say that at midnight. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, it's... For me, it doesn't need to be this long. And there are matches on there where I'm like, that does not need to be there. <laughs> so personally, for me, there are many things where it's just like, that, that doesn't... So, so you know there's going to be a Roman match. That's going to have to be added. But Kurt Angle, Baron Corbin... Personally, when the, it's giving Kurt Angle that kind of send-off will be a big, huge moment. However, realistically, looking at the card, for me, I wouldn't have put it there. There's already too much stuff, and for me, this is one over the top, because that means either somebody's not getting time or this show's going to go stupidly long. <laughs> it's, and by stupidly long, I mean about halfway through, I'll start to get drowsy and kind of lose a t- bit of attention but kind of knowing how long will be left, there's a very slim chance that I'll be able to finish the show. There's <laughs> that kind of... That, I, that means I can't go on social media or plug things, and I normally upload my column on a Monday, so it's for me that's a little bit sad. But maybe I won't be able to... If I do stay up for the show, it's a bit of a heads up. I normally post my columns for Laws of Pain on a Monday, but if I do stay up for WrestleMania, which I probably will, because I really do want to pull like the five nights of, from Friday to Tuesday, because it's WrestleMania, I've got the time off work, I can do it. But I probably won't be posting my column on Monday, because that'll be at the yeah, end. I'll be I'm not going to bed at eight a.m. <laughs> like seven or eight a.m. and then getting up to post a column. No, I don't know how Plan's going to do the post show. <laughs> That's going to be insane. Oh. Anyway, yeah. So that's a. For me, in my weekend of WrestleMania, the New Japan G1 show slots right in on that Saturday. I won't be watching the Hall of Fame. I might watch it in clips the next day. It's kind of past time on the Sunday. But, yeah, that weekend for me, NXT, New Japan, uh, Ring of Honor, WrestleMania, Raw, SmackDown. Yeah, maybe not SmackDown. I'll judge it on... Because I like watching the Raw after WrestleMania. However, Raw has been... That's going to rhyme too hard there. (laughs) Raw's a good chore (laughs) as of late. It's not a well-paced show, but the Raw after WrestleMania has got that special flavour to it. But even without call-ups, maybe. I don't know. The main roster's where call-ups go to die. <laughs> or at least their characters. <laughs> ah. Anyway, so first, in terms of WrestleMania and the weekend, I'm going to talk about the stuff outside of my main topic. So if you've seen the title of the show, it's about the top end of WrestleMania. So really there's four matches, which I would call the top end for now. But there's like, the three in particular, which are three title matches. Uh, but the fourth I'll add on is Triple H Batista, which is the 
top end veteran. This will get the non the fans who really aren't following may tune in for this one to see Batista take on Triple H. That's that match. So it's not for the fans who keep up with the product, which for me, like it's odd. It would it would be fine if every match at least had like full time talent going over. It's a bit of a uh, that there's quite a lot of part time talent on this show from Shane McMahon to in a way Beth Phoenix, but that's a that's going to be a multi women's match. I've got a feeling. To, yeah, to Batista, Triple H, Brock Lesnar, I guess, in a way, counts as that as well. There's a lot of talent that are not full-time, and that's kind of, with the card this big and with talent not able to get on the show, it's, like, ugh, it's kind of disappointing in a way, especially when I'm not very invested in quite a few of them. But anyway, so <laughs> that was a side mode. I was meant to be talking about the other stuff I'm plugging. So first off, uh, NXT TakeOver, which will be taking place on the Friday, obviously, in two weeks. God, that comes so... So first off, the NXT Championship match this week on NXT has been set for TakeOver. Uh, we had a five-way, so it's a fatal five-way, but I don't know if that's it. A fabulous five-way <laughs> for the Fab Five. Uh, Ricochet versus Alistair Black versus Velveteen Dream versus Matt Riddle versus the ultimate winner, Adam Cole. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was a five-man match, and the winner got to face Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championship. So they've just taken out Tommaso Ciampa, and uh, Triple H at the beginning of the show announced that Tommaso Ciampa had to relinquish the title because of he needs neck surgery, and he's already had the surgery, so as he was announcing this, he was already in, bed, in the hospital bed recovering. So we had this five-way, and it was an amazing match, first of all. <laughs> I recommend you go and watch the match. Uh, two notes. One, Adam Cole obviously won, and it was like a hot running knee out of nowhere. And it, it, the momentum of it and him hitting and move at that point was awesome. Uh, lots of people got their time to shine. However, I felt like a, a strong spotlight was shown on Matt Riddle because he already got established guys in Ricochet and had to black who on the main roster. He got Belting Dream as the North American champion, but Matt Riddle's kind of new. Like the closest he dabbled with this scene was when he cut that promo with Belting Dream. And then Belting Dream turned all the lights off and put the spotlight on himself. <laughs> it was like the first part to an awesome feud, <laughs> which I'm assuming going to see carried next week. But yeah, Dream, uh, Dream and Riddle, I'm assuming might be set for the NA Championship at TakeOver. Maybe this could be Dream's farewell, or it could be Riddle's crowning moment, or this is a Dream cementing himself as a champion. Who knows? But that's the match I'm expecting. However, yes, Matt Riddle got an awesome spotlight and he really did hang with these main event guy, talents in NXT. Uh, yeah, for me, he, they want him to be the future NXT champion kind of face of the next era. You got Matt Riddle and, again, you don't know what's happening with NXT UK, maybe some of those guys. But really, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, uh, maybe there's a few that I've been missing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll finally get to see Punishment Martinez or the likes of him kind of getting spots on the card. And there may be a few new signings. Uh, ACH, I can't remember his name, but he's using his actual real name in NXT, so which is not ACH. <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> but yeah, so he made his debut at some point. He'll be debuting at some point. I don't, be, I don't know if we're over these next two weeks or how far in advance they take. <laughs> I think it'll be these next two weeks. But anyway, uh, Great spotlight shown on Matt Riddle. He came off as uh, someone who could really hang with these guys and he uh, really took it to them. He proved that he belonged in that match and was the closest out of everybody at winning at multiple times, getting into the bro mission like so many times. <laughs> and great transitions into it as well. Yeah, He seemed like a wrestling beast in a way and he really, it took something to take him down. 
But Adam Cole was the ultimate winner, and he will face Johnny Gargano for the title. And it's yeah, two guys who kind of do who have established this generation. So that's kind of awesome to see. So that will be the main event: Cole versus Gargano. It's a shame we didn't get to see Champa versus Gargano tie its bow and finish it. But yeah, again, it's going to be a good match. <laughs> Gargano versus Cole is going to be good. Uh, also, uh, Pete Dunne versus Walter was announced for NXT TakeOver. So the NXT UK Championship will be defended at NXT TakeOver. And yes, <laughs> just yes, Pete Dunne versus Walter. Uh, yes, if, again, if you've not really been watching NXT UK, Walter is not a little indie dude. He's a big, <laughs> big-ass indie dude. Yes, lots of chops, lots of Germans. So Black says he can do the big job kicking everything. <laughs> I really didn't play the over very well there. He's a lot more than that. <laughs> well, I've just described. Uh, but also uh, Pete Dunn defending his ridiculously long <laughs> title reign. We're just using such an incredible length to set the benchmark for everyone else going forward. But yes, Pete Dunn versus Walter. This could be either Pete Dunn really establishing himself as a champion or Pete Dunn's kind of moving on moment to something because we don't know how the hierarchy works in terms of non, in terms of these other NXTs. Because I'm assuming there'll be more springing up, but who knows where you go if you advance from NXT UK? Do you advance? It is its own brand. <laughs> who knows? Nobody knows. Uh, also announced for the show, and this is kind of the last thing to put on because I, I don't know any spoilers, so I don't know what's been added outside of what I've seen on NXT TV. But the Women's Championship Takeover match will be a fatal four-way between Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair. Kelly Sane and Io Shirai. Yes, that's going to be quite a mayhem match. Like they've done this before when they're in the middle kind of a transition era, but not what no singular wrestlers kind of jumped out. So if you remember, I think it was Nikki Cross and the now Iconics when they faced. Well, who did they face? Asuka, was it? It was Asuka, yeah. I don't remember which era this was in. But yeah, so they did a paper four way where no single wrestler kind of jumped up and stood out to be an awesome challenger like we've got with Ember Moon and Shayna Baszler or Ember Moon and Asuka like, and Bailey Asuka <laughs> kind of thing like there's one person standing out to be challenger we're not quite in that zone yet Io Shirai could be that person in the future but I, not not yet <laughs> so this kind of makes sense it feels like we are in that exact kind of same kind of ebb and flow that is in NXT where a few talents have been called up or on the verge of calling up and he's not really got that talent there ready to take the run yet but they will be in the near future. And that's uh, NXT TakeOver, which is taking shape again. <laughs> that was accidentally a pun, I think. <laughs> but yes, uh, I like the shape of the show, obviously. And they just flow so easily, just so nice and quickly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then WrestleMania is like so long. <laughs> but you've got the atmosphere, obviously. NXT TakeOver just has, it has a bigger atmosphere than normal NXT shows. But yeah, from WrestleMania is like nothing else on the WWE calendar, even if it is 20 hours long. Right, so that's takeover done. Uh, secondly, 205 Live. So I'll kind of put this separately because it is technically WrestleMania, but it's more to do... It's, it's going to be the pre-show. It's kind of his own separate entity. So this... I don't remember when it airs because I watched it today. But the uh, final of the Buddy Murphy Classic saw Tony Nese facing Cedric Alexander in a fantastic main event. Uh, again, first of all, watch the match. It was really good. <laughs> Once again, the crowd chanted 205. So it's kind of a sign of how good it was. But in the end, Tony Nice won with his Tony's knees <laughs> again. <laughs> but he did kick out of Cedric Alexander's lumbar check, which is kind of a, a massive thing. Uh, just before I come, uh, come on live here, I was listening to the Vicky and Clive show on Social Suplex. 
that was not a planned plug. <laughs> I've not been that in my notes at all. This is a mini tangent. But they raised the point of, um, Cedric Alexander, or Clive raised the point of Cedric Alexander just taking these massive moves from other wrestlers, especially in the run to this one, and I guess in this match as well, taking massive moves and constantly kicking out. And it's like, well, what's going to defeat him? <laughs> He's just kicking out of everything. Uh, and it really doesn't feel like him winning really advances the brand at all. Just like we're at the same point as we were last year, and I don't think he should beat Buddy Murphy. But what we got was so much better, especially as, uh, as yeah, this is the point I'm getting. So Clive worded it as Cedric Alexander getting to taste his own medicine, with uh, Tony Nese kicking out of his biggest moves, and then he he didn't know what to do after that, and Tony Nese ended up winning. But it was a really good match. Highly recommend you check it out. But the point being that after the match, Buddy Murphy then attacked rather predictably, but yeah, it doesn't really. Two or five live is lower down. The, for me, this is like a mid card with its own, or a lower mid card with its own show. So if, if a bit of storyline is a bit predictable, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> like, this is actually the lower mid card. Like, yeah, this isn't the main attraction. I don't really mind if it's a bit predictable in parts. <laughs> it doesn't need to be the world's greatest thing. Um, and it, but it does have character and story continuity, which Monday Night Raw does not. <laughs> it's going to go nil bonuses. But anyway, Buddy Murphy attacked Tony Nese, ending their friendship. And the match will be Buddy Murphy defending his championship against Tony Nese at WrestleMania. So we don't know, but my assumption is this well, properly cements or solidifies, no cements, it goes cements, Buddy Murphy as the heel and Tony Nese as the face going into this. So, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, and Tony Nese had a really high quality tournament as well going, uh, kind of running through this. So, yeah, good for him. <laughs> but, yeah, highly recommend you watch that match. Right, I'm going to take a quick ad break before jumping in, because jump, getting through all of that stuff is taking me like half an hour. <laughs> so, I'm going to take a quick ad break and then I'll return. I'm going to start talking about the four big matches that I'm on at WrestleMania, because for me, the top end of WrestleMania is looking really, really good, kind of in spite of itself. <laughs> so, I'll be back in about five seconds or so. Hmm. Hello and welcome back. And little, this is kind of the point where I suddenly remember I've not plugged something. Yeah, this time I plugged everything. I made notes. Oh, how professional am I? <laughs> Nothing to plug at this point. So WrestleMania, let's just get on with it. So there are four big matches coming into WrestleMania. There is the veterans match or the old fan match. Again, the fan is checked out of WrestleMania or WWE as a whole, and are kind of coming back and say, oh, Batista's facing Triple H. That's interesting. So you've got that match. Then you've got Kofi Kingston, which is the underdog fighting against the machine kind of match. Becky Lynch, which is kind of the underdog fighting against the machine, <laughs> but she's got a whole injury thing and she's like the badass. So it's closer to Stone Cold if you minus the man a bit because they've inserted the man in parts. But now it's not really about that, but it was. It's convoluted. I'll get to it. Then you've got Seth Rollins, which is kind of also Seth Rollins fighting against the machine, but not really. Now he's kind of focusing on Lesnar, but it's kind of died down a bit. I'll get to that in a bit. Uh, so, first of all, Triple H versus Batista. In an intro, so this, for me, this the way this feud started out was hot, like no other feud that I've seen in WWE for quite a while. Mostly because the way it was filmed, it immediately it jumps out. Like the first thing you see is like the way that the Ric Flair angle was shot. That is not a normal way <laughs> WWE would shoot something. So it's kind of weird <laughs> to see them actually do that. But also, we've got the kind of Triple H side where he is the babyface, and that's weird. 
especially when he's just been on TV as the heel, like out and out he has been the heel. And now he's he's a face because Batista did this thing and it's a little bit weird. Triple H can flip-flop there because he is the authority, but then he's also the heel. And it's kind of like him and Steph have been pushed out of that kind of area and Steph has been featured a lot less. But Shane McMahon's a heel, Vince McMahon's a heel, Steph, I guess, in a way, is a heel, but she's not really featured as much. And then Triple H is a baby face in this situation, but then he seems, if anything involves him being in someone in power, then he's not. It's odd. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know if that's just me. However, that said, I've really enjoyed every time I've seen Batista. He's turned up three, four, in a way, because he did a long-distance Corley thing once. But I'll say three. So he turned up three times, and all of those times have been great for me. So the initial one with Ric Flair, that was great. Then the announcement that he's not going to be there, kind of just carrying on that story. Then when he showed up in his Hollywood shiny jacket, <laughs> just like, oh my God. <laughs> it's just a blazer which Cat from Red Wolf he would have worn. <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah, no one out of the UK will get that reference. <laughs> but they're just so shiny. <laughs> it's just an absolute Hollywood dickhead. <laughs> I feel like he pulled a Miz and went to the store and picked the the one blazer that made him look like an absolute asshole. <laughs> and he wore that blazer. So that was cool to see. And, of course, the whole give me what I want meme that's come out of it. So, yeah, if this feud had never happened, we wouldn't have got that meme. And for me, even if the match sucks, that meme was totally worth it. Because <laughs> we can use that meme for so many situations. <laughs> it's so good. Ah, oh, the give me what I want meme. Just, yes, thank you, WWE, for that. See, they don't always do bad. Quick sign, there's a helicopter flying over my house. I apologise for the sign. For the sounds like, yeah, I do live near an army base. <laughs> so that happens sometimes. No, I do not do army things. I'm very skinny. Like, why did I, I didn't need to add that. Anyway, so it's an interesting one with both the positives and negatives. But yeah, the point being, Batista's been awesome. And this week, where he did his mob boss <laughs> kind of thing, in a way, it's it adds interesting notes to the narrative. But all the reasons why he left WWE and why Triple H is an ass and how he manipulates you all. Uh, with Michael Cole not buying anything Batista was saying, and Batista going, that's how he gets you, kind of in that way. It's really weird that, especially in this climate, in this kind of social, they're getting a lot of things kind of right with the social climate, with the storylines we're doing so far. But for me, this was really a bit weird, because we are now in a social climate where if somebody says, no, that's how he tricks you, he, he's not like that at all. We kind of pride that a bit more as a culture, especially with the American culture. That's kind of pride a bit more, <laughs> so it's a bit interesting to see Michael Cole going, oh, he's always been nice to me. But yeah, but that's not where, <laughs> this kind of in our modern day culture, that's not where we would probably stop anymore. Well, maybe like a few years ago, but no, not now. But anyway, that's a side point. <laughs> but yes, I really like where this story, the story's good enough. They built it really well, and Batista's added something original every time he's shown up. I think that's the key thing for me. The kind of one of the, the kind of, um, like down points I've got for WWE off criticisms. That's the bloody word I'm looking for. One of the criticisms I've often had with WWE is you could take out a wrestler from a promo, insert another, and nothing would change. Just face and heel. That's about it. Helicopters getting closer. <laughs> so it's it's really weird for me to see WWE kind of not falling into that hurdle with quite a few of these storylines. It's going into WrestleMania, but especially this one, it's awesome to see the fact that Batista is owning it and he's being original, almost not like 100% original, but it feels like he's being something fresh every time he turns up, 
Like, you could not take out Batista, slot in another person, and just have it be the same. Like, no, because they've added, they've added the path of the characters to it, but also Batista is bringing something different every week. And they've got that kind of, the Hollywood elements put in there as well, and there's the kind of massive ego coming from that. It's incorporated really strongly. I don't know. I'm really liking parts of it. But in terms of the actual match, at WrestleMania, it's going to be a no-disqualification match. And that's... I don't know. I don't know how good it's going to be. Because, of course, Batista hasn't wrestled since Evolution. It was, he wasn't crap. <laughs> he is a good wrestler. But I don't know. Because it might be a very walk-and-brawl kind of match. Like, what shape is Triple H in after his, uh, after his breast turned purple in Saudi Arabia? Like, what shape is he in? <laughs> will he be strapped up everywhere? Can he use that as a weak point? Because people will know he's injured. I don't know. E- either way, I don't know the quality of the match. He might be very walk-and-brawly, as I was just saying. But it's got, it, that's a spectacle match. It is really, really WrestleMania is spectacle over like the substance of amazing wrestling. Like, like last year we got Charlotte vs. Alaska, which is like the amazing wrestling, but there's also the spectacle part as well. So for me, that's what Batista Triple H is. It's, the spectacle is greater than the substance. So it may be greater than some of its parts in the end, with both guys kind of a bit older, Batista being a bit more rusty, Triple H less rusty, but kind of injured. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I don't know the fitness of everybody. But I do know it's yeah, it might be the more walkie brawly one. So this could be the match that puts me to sleep, <laughs> just because not because it's boring, because the show is so long that I'll, cause I will be honest. When uh, Lesnar versus Undertaker, when that aired at WrestleMania 30, I did fall asleep. <laughs> that, that match did it for me. I was gone after that. But yeah, <laughs> that was the last match I think I fell asleep at at WrestleMania. <laughs> that was <laughs> actually Triple H. And Lesnar nearly put me to sleep the year before. Lesnar's not got a great track record with me. <laughs> Undertaker did get injured. He got a concussion halfway through the match. But watching it live, like I fell asleep. I only woke, I woke up like a minute before the end of the match. <laughs> I was so lucky. But yeah, so that's the first match of the lot. I really like the build-up for Batista, and it adds the variety to the card in a way. I, I don't know if I would, because quite a few of the matches on the card, I personally would have said it probably doesn't need to be there because the shows are really long enough, like Baron Corbin and Kurt Angle. Like, for me, I really liked it when you earned your spot onto WrestleMania. For me, Corbin, I don't know, he was thrust into a spotlight. In terms of, like, the actual, like, real-life person playing Baron Corbin, he was thrust into a spotlight when he potentially wasn't ready for it, like, character-wise or promo-wise. He was put into full-on the main event. Like, I feel like he has improved from what he was before he was given that opportunity or position, but it's still, yeah, the match doesn't feel like it main, it's WrestleMania worthy, even though it's Kurt Angle's farewell, which is WrestleMania worthy, it's just that I, I don't care about the match at all, and the show's already long enough. However, I would not take off Triple H Batista because of what WrestleMania has become. Yes, it would be nice if it showcased modern-day talent, but it doesn't. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, oh, with what WrestleMania has become, I wouldn't take off Triple H Batista because that's your... So bringing in the fans who have ter- turned off WWE are kind of like, oh, well, that might be interesting, seeing Drax versus Triple H. So, yes. <laughs> yes, it, wouldn't it be awesome if he, Batista turned up with full Drax makeup? <laughs> I don't know if he can exert himself or <laughs> if the paint would just run, but I don't know, it would be awesome <laughs> to, to fulfil every Marvel fan's dream, <laughs> see Drax actually wrestle or whatever. All right. Right, so now there are three more matches. I'm going to go with like the most recent, kind of building my way up, in a way. So first off, we have got Kofi Kingston. Uh, I highly, before I get into it, I highly recommend you read uh, Rich Latter's column on the subject, which has been posted on Lords of the Pain site. Uh, yeah, no one... I, I was looking forward to him finally tackling this issue, or not this issue, this topic. 
and uh, yeah, there was no one really better to write it. There are also other writers around, but I can't remember <laughs> who and what. But if you go to Rich Latter's Twitter feed, he did a whole kind of like tagging of loads of great people who have written about the subject, or someone tagged Rich. I saw it on Twitter. Were, I remember reading a few of them as well. They were really good, <laughs> but I didn't make notes of them. But anyway, highly recommend you read Rich Latter's. That one's on of Pain. That's ours. <laughs> Plug that one. But anyway, uh, Kofi Kingston, they've tapped into something here. They've struck gold. So the interesting thing is originally it was meant to be Mustafa Ali in this position. I don't know if they were going to do the exact scenario of him winning the Gortland and him finishing second in the match with a great performance or him being constantly kept down. It might have been more to do. still do stuff with her for who he is keeping him down. That could have still worked, but I don't know if they would have gone with the WrestleMania world title match for him or if they'd just done that for Elimination Chamber. But anyway, Kofi Kingston struck fire. And they've not let off ever since. So going into Fastlane is all about building it up. Well, knocking him down to building back up. Uh, my only criticism is we are two weeks out of WrestleMania and they are still knocking down Kofi Kingston to build him up. Hmm. Got lovely teeth, I can talk. <laughs> so they are still knocking down Kofi Kingston so that they can bring him up. And we are two weeks away. At some point, they're going to have to announce the matches on. And I would. this is my personal preference. I would, I would, because like, there's only two weeks left for me this week. Something happens. Yeah, I'll get to that a bit later. But something happens, and Kofi Kingston is then the match is announced. <laughs> I don't know why I stole from the sentence with his name. So the match is announced, and then the week after we get the final face off. Because there's only two weeks. Putting them on the same card, it's just like it will lose the weight of like the match getting announced or whatever. But. Yeah, they've left it a bit late to announce the match. I don't know, in terms of this Gortner match on SmackDown, they, they don't know if they've tried to recreate what they did last time, building to Elimination Chamber to get that hot fire going into like the actual final announcement and then the final face-off. But I feel like this Gortner match was maybe one step too many because the last one was set to build him up because they show how great he is. You know, he lost to Danny Bryan in the Elimination Chamber. This one, he beat all of the guys. He beat The Bar, he beat Bandy Orton, Samoa Joe, Eric Rowan, and then Daniel Bryan comes out afterwards after he'd done exactly what Vince McMahon said he had to do. Suddenly, there's an extra man, and it's Daniel Bryan. Now he comes. So, first of all, two things need to be addressed. Who was it who decided Daniel Bryan should be going out last? Was that Vince McMahon or was that a Daniel Bryan kind of thing as well, all the two together? Secondly, Vince McMahon's been screwing with Kofi Kingston. Why? So we've got two weeks left. Personally, I don't think they're going to address it. They might switch gears and just announce Kofi Kingston or whatever, or that'll be kind of the key point of the next episode of kind of addressing why Vince McMahon isn't and then kind of building some form of angst against that, <laughs> in a way. Uh, but yes, yeah, for me... For me, they need to kind of change gears of knocking him down to bring him back up and just announce him. <laughs> it has become better to do something. And then the week after, get a few face off. In terms of what the song they should be, I heard a really, it was on Twitter, and a few people talked about the idea as well on the various podcasts. But the idea that Kofi, I'm sorry, I can't quote who did the Twitter, but if someone knows who it was, tell me. But the idea of Kofi Kingston do with the all you saw all of the face wrestlers watching his match this week on SmackDown, watching him go through the gauntlet, and then more and more people were there cheering him on backstage over the course of the match. If those wrestlers decide to strike or something, or refuse to work WrestleMania if Kofi Kingston's not there or something, or if the New Day come to terms that they are going to leave WWE if Kofi Kingston doesn't get it because they realise they've got a ceiling, 
a big E did an amazing like to his phone uh, promo, uh, entirely character, but it felt really real. <laughs> it was an amazing promo. Uh, just in a way talking about how uh, I think the phrase he used was like people like them don't always sometimes they have like that ceiling put up to them and no matter how hard they try or how they work they will never reach that high status and with them like leaving their families all the time being on the road like, for so long is the grind actually worth it and maybe that would lead to them like saying they will leave WWE which they could weave into the fact that they make so much money from merch that all that money leaves with them <laughs> which is really maybe an interesting maybe that we speak in Bismuth Man's word in a way Words isn't man's mind. It's not a word. He's not. He's not holy. <laughs> but, but yeah. Also, Kofi Kingston. The story, so there could be that, or it could be the idea that the uh, face that were watching his match, they all kind of come out and they refuse to work WrestleMania or something. So it's like Daniel Bryan's Occupy Raw. However, it's the wrestlers themselves rather than the fans doing it that way. Or you could just recreate <laughs> Occupy Raw and do the same with Kofi and the fans. It would work either way because. Kofi is so kind of... The fans are so behind Kofi Kingston. And it could work the opposite way around as well with the wrestlers doing it as well. Both could be quite good. Or like a mass walkout. I feel like they've done that angle before with a like a WrestleMania a long time ago. So Again, if it's been like over 10 years, I would start to think it might be okay. But I think it's one of the early 2000s. So you're reaching 20. <laughs> so it's, it's fine to repeat something like that. Anyway, so the other part of this Kobe Kingston thing is the undertones of it. Uh, me being like so far away from the situation, it, I'm not really the best to talk about it, which is why I highly recommend you read Rich Latter's column. And again, there's lots of uh, people who've talked about this issue who are really good writers and have done, done it way more just as I ever could. But the idea of uh, African-Americans getting kind of kept down in America and kind of Kobe Kingston representing what a lot of people feel every day so the way this is the way this story has been portrayed I, is really well <laughs> just for me and the fact they've kind of addressed it but not going overboard and making it that the pure storyline because it's done in a way uh, again Rich Lasser pointed out this point in his column that they've done it in a way that if you see this as a story about uh, African Americans being kept down and the fighting up against and trying to overcome you, yeah you can see it that way but if you don't see it like that, then you can, it's just, you can just see it as a really good underdog story uh, or a guy who has proven himself again and again and has just been kept down or passed over. Like, that's also relatable. <laughs> it works really, really well. And that's why I like how WWE's done this story because you can see it from multiple different ways and get invested. And it's, it's one of those storylines where if someone goes, oh, you've been worked, it's going to be added to the match. Yes, I know it's going to be added to the match, but I can still be invested in the story. <laughs> it's just like... We knew the dragons were going to knock down the wall in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Spoilers if you've not seen the last season that aired two years ago. <laughs> but yeah, we all knew it was going to happen. That doesn't mean when it did happen, we weren't like <laughs> glued to the screen. <laughs> yeah, knowing something's going to happen doesn't isn't always doesn't mean oh you're being worked you idiot. It's like no, no, no. But anyway, I really like how WWE have done this storyline. For me, all they've got to do is not muck it up. <laughs> so I wrote a column that went out on Monday about the three title matches in the main event and how do Kofi, with a question of, do Kofi Kingston, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins all need to win at WrestleMania? For me, the answer was yes. I did a poll in a way. <laughs> By poll, I meant I put the column out and the Facebook post for the column just got like comment after comment after comment. And when I realised it had gone over 50, 
I was like, oh, maybe I should tell either the sponsors. Kind of like, who thinks should win a WrestleMania? And with the most votes, last time I checked, it was uh, maybe five ahead of Seth Rollins. But anyway, Kofi Kingston got the most votes for who should win at WrestleMania. And that kind of tells you with the broad scope of people, and especially if you've been on Facebook, it's not really a demographic I fully get with the comments. But kind of, for me, that kind of proves of what a wide variety of people commenting it is. And Kofi Kingston had the most votes. So maybe that tells you how strongly people are engaged to this story. Maybe it might be for different levels and things, in different ways as well, but people are invested. That means they've nailed it. Interestingly enough, uh, Becky Lynch was just bottom, one behind Seth Rollins, so the two were t- taking over each other, and that's a bit more up in the air of do Lynch and Rollins actually need to win. Uh, with Rollins, it seemed more people voting yes because of Lesnar more than him, but the, the general consensus was, yeah, there are quite a few votes for all three of them. <laughs> but Kobe Kingston won by a mile, which I found quite interesting. But yes, the main point is I'm really liking how they've done this Kobe Kingston story. But of course, in the back of my mind is the Triple H Booker T match from 2003, where they essentially had Triple H cut a racist promo in the build, and then Triple H won. <laughs> I don't know if the initial, um, in fact, there was like some rumors that the initial plan was for Booker to win, and then Triple H politics, or there was just some politicking or changing of stories, and in the end, Triple H went to win, but yeah, after you cut a racist promo, there's no going back. The face has to win that. <laughs> and Triple H, the heel, won. And that's kind of, like, this This storyline for me is also on top of everything. This is a way to correct a mistake like that and do the right result this time. So it's, yeah, for me, Kevin Kingston has to win <laughs> because of all the undertones and everything, but I do like how the undertones are both being addressed but not so head-on that it becomes the core of the storyline and there are other ways to get invested. Really smartly written, and but which kudos to WWE. And this is kind of the point of uh, this show, in a way, to, to look at WrestleMania and just say, actually, despite the kind of build, despite how I've really not been enjoying Raw, from what I have watched, some weeks I've just watched it on YouTube, because I just <laughs> really didn't enjoy it the week before. I was like, no, I'm not doing it <laughs> next week. But the point being that, in spite of itself, WrestleMania's top end looks to be really, really good. Like, it's a very top-heavy show in terms of quality. A lot of stuff on the lower card that I could hit or miss. Well, well, yeah, or just for how missed. <laughs> but the top end looks amazing. So that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. So let's move on to the second one. Becky Lynch. So this is a woman who was on absolute fire ever since SummerSlam. Or kind of like just before, the, like in the build to SummerSlam, people were really on her side. And then when she lost it to Charlotte, which was meant to be a heel turn, the fan, a lot of fans were on her side. Uh, and kind of, some things rang true with what she was saying to the fans. And then they kind of built up, built up. She became this mega face, and the popularity is just built and built and built with her winning the SmackDown Women's Championship, uh, losing it at TLC, I think. And then obviously her amazing feud with Charlotte as well, kind of in the building part. She was meant to face Rousey. Then she got busted over by Nia Jax. That match didn't happen. And it turns out, oh, shit, we've all accidentally automatically got our starting point for the feud. <laughs> and he found an amazing way to hold off Lynch Rousey for WrestleMania. Of course, the rumoured original plan was Rousey versus Charlotte. So they kind of... From what I can tell, what, what the original rumoured plan was Charlotte versus Rousey. And then Lynch has been added. So it's Lynch the added one, technically not. Charlotte, but it is for once WWE listening to the world around them <laughs> and changing the match because of the context around it. Because that's another issue that WWE have had in the past 
is in spite of the context that's happened since they came up with the main event for WrestleMania, they stick with the main event. Prime example being 2014, where who knows what would have happened if CM Punk hadn't left and shaken everything up. But Daniel Bryan apparently wasn't the plan for that main event. It was Randy Orton versus Batista. So you don't know. But I think it was Daniel Bryan who was actually saying that like years after. So you don't know if Daniel Bryan, in a way, is working. <laughs> working is kind of really like, no, it was true. Like the fans really did change it. But uh, the point being that, yeah, the main event was going to be Randy Orton and Batista, despite Daniel Bryan's rise. So it's good to see WWE listening <laughs> and doing the Becky Lynch, Charlotte and Rousey. Yeah, they've put Becky Lynch in the match, even though for me, Lynch, Rousey, it had the perfect build from, from, from Survivor Series and would be really easy to do it. However, they've injected Charlotte and it's got very convoluted. <laughs> that doesn't change the fact that this match should be amazing. And I, I still feel like, well, even with the Cody Kingston stuff and Seth Rollins turning his attention to Lesnar, or guessing the way the outside people looking at Batista Triple H, for me, the women's triple threat should still main event WrestleMania. Just break that barrier, that new, for that really cement that new era. And that was a thing I was really talking about in the column, was using WrestleMania to really use it as that starting point for this new era that they apparently said started in December. Because it's been on and off, hot and cold shows, especially Monday Night Raw, for a while. And I feel like WrestleMania could be that real starting point for the new era. Because again, in 1997, the S.U.D.A. didn't start immediately. It took a bit of work, and eventually it happened. And when, Kirby, when Steve Austin was uh, like properly signed, uh, signed on, no, properly established, that's the word. <laughs> when he was properly established as the top face, that's when that show really took off as the Astrid era really began. But like, this could be a new thing. The new era doesn't properly start until after this WrestleMania, when it all suddenly clicks together and you break. And they, they do things they've not done before. The one point I forgot to bring up in the Cooper Kingston thing is no no African American champ actually no. So I think it was only white. Actually, yeah. No let's <laughs> just say African American I'm trying to remember if a different race has, but yeah, so no African American has walked out of WrestleMania as WWE champion. It's never happened. So this is the time. <laughs> this is the time to do it. Finally. <laughs> you can have an African-American walk out of WrestleMania as your world champion. That, that, that's, that's, that should be massive. Like finally, they've broken that barrier, and it's finally happened. That means so much. And, of course, for the women, the women main eventing WrestleMania, that's another barrier broken. Like In one night, breaking those two things. That's, that's why, for me, all three of these fit into each other in some way. Rollins ends the Lesnar era. We finally move on from that. Kofi Kingston, first of all, African-American to walk out of WrestleMania with the WWE Championship. And Becky Lynch winning the first ever women's main event of WrestleMania. Like three era-defining things all at once. <laughs> Which is, yeah, for me, that would be a wham-bam in a way. And they said all the way back in December, we're going to give the fans what they want a lot more often. <laughs> Instead of like being so heel-heavy that it hurts to watch. <laughs> like We need positivity. But, yeah. Even because the, the other thing is we don't expect WWE to give us three main event nice things. <laughs> it's not expected of WWE, which would be nice if they actually did it. Like, there's nothing wrong with having the faces win all the time. Like Maybe WWE wants, don't want to do it every year, but what's the harm in doing it once? <laughs> don't get that. Just let the fans leave happy. Anyway, so Becky Lynch. So the negatives of this, because there are negatives, even though... So the main point is the match is looking to be amazing and I still think it should be the main event. There are aspects of it where 
Lynch and Charlotte have their own mini feud. Each person has is fallen out with the other, and that's all believable makes sense. If you look at it from each singular person's point of view. But this has kind of turned into a bit of Burn After Reading. <laughs> They've not seen Burn After Reading, <laughs> the movie that came out like 12 years ago or something. Um, the general premise, in a way, is if you look at it from the outside, it makes no sense at all whatsoever. <laughs> if you look at it from the outside of just what they were doing, like, it makes no sense. But from each individual's point of view, it perfectly makes sense. <laughs> So, like, yeah, someone on the outside looking in makes no sense. But to each individual involved, to them, it makes perfect sense. Like, their world, it all connects. But from the outside, they just seem like doing random shit. For me, that's what this feud has turned into. So, it, it was a very straightforward Rousey and Lynch, like, the straight line, like, the the yeah, picture I brought up last week. <laughs> just Lynch and Rousey look nice and easy. But then you also throw in Vince McMahon. You also throw in uh, Stephanie McMahon. You also throw in Charlotte. You throw in Elimination Chamber and Fastlane, and suddenly all the lines are squiggling all over the place, and it's really difficult and convoluted, <laughs> but still intact is Rousey and Lynch. That is still there, that straight line. It's within the squiggly, but it's still there. Uh, Lynch and Charlotte, their feud, that is still there, and Charlotte is still there. The, the same things are happening. And you've got Charlotte and Rousey, which was built on the Survivor Series, that is also still there. So to each, in, each individual's relationship with the other person makes sense, it's just that the, the lines are so squiggly and convoluted and what's happened all over the place. So, obviously, I've also missed out the injury thing, keeping her keeping Becky Lynch down. So that was odd. But anyway, there's a lot of really confusing things. For me, the, like, the perfect burn-after-reading thing would be Ronda Rousey, where to her, the, the line perfectly makes sense. But if you look at it from the outside, of like first view, it's like, what what is this? <laughs> Wait, she... Drops the championship, but she didn't drop the championship. She never did drop the championship. She's still champion. And now she's turning on the fans because they all booed her all the time. But they didn't always boo her all the time, but a lot of them did. <laughs> but uh, Yes, and you, you have to ignore Becky Lynch during that machine as she turned heel. There's a lot of things that look, look like they don't make sense <laughs> if you're looking at it. But uh, did that person, they probably do. So why did Ronda Rousey drop the championship that week? She, well, she was using it as a statement to say that she wanted Becky Lynch in the match and that was the way she was getting Becky Lynch into the match. However, again, that doesn't, well, why was Becky Lynch facing Charlotte at Fastlane? Well, from Stephanie McMahon's point of view, she wasn't just going to put her in the match. Becky Lynch was going to earn her way back because she got herself suspended. So, in a way, that line kind of makes sense, but when you put in the other things, like what Becky Lynch had won the Royal Rumble and <laughs> with that, they get her, she gets her match but for some reason, the suspension worked its way into it, and then they announced Charlotte. So now Becky Lynch was the one on the outside getting out of the bin. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of little things that don't make sense. But then to each individual, if you follow their line, just their line, and you don't try and veer off it, you just watch them and what they do and their motivations, it kind of does make sense a bit. So yeah, this feud has become Burnetta reading when it should have just been Becky and Ronda have fight. <laughs> it's, really, it's really weird looking at it. Uh, but still... There were a lot of things working, and especially Ronda Rousey's heel turn, which made all the sense in the world. And event, like you've now going into this, you've got two really strong heels in Charlotte and Ronda Rousey, and the out-and-out babyface Becky Lynch. I feel like the, the turn was done at a good point, because now you've full-on established weeks before the match is happening who out-and-out is the babyface, with no confusion. Because the fans are going to boo Ronda Rousey anyway, so what's the harm on leaning into that? It makes all the sense in the world for me. 
Uh, Charlotte was like the ultimate heel, but now Ronda Rousey, yes, he's turned full on heel as well. It was going to happen naturally, so just kind of leaning into a bit more. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, the, the weirder thing for me is why they've got to do the underdog story, Becky Lynch. <laughs> why does she have to be on the crutch? Like for me, the underdog fighting up angle in a way has become a literal crutch. <laughs> it's yeah, it's not not as it's not necessary. It's kind of for me it proves that WWE are struggling with their new types of stories. When in a way, Rollins, Lynch, and Kingston are very similar on the surface. Like they're all underdogs fighting against the system in some way. That's kind of the basis for all three of those matches. There's not much varying between them. <laughs> with the initial first kind of groundwork, they've all got the same groundwork before, varying off in very different ways after that, which is nice to see. <laughs> but still the fact they've all got that one thing in common, and I wouldn't have minded if they didn't need to be there for Lynch, I don't feel like. I feel like at the Rumble, that was her having earned that, and the path afterwards wasn't needed. However, there have been WrestleManias in the past where the same thing has happened. So, uh, but the match ended up being amazing and no one really cared, like, after that. <laughs> the match was awesome and therefore that's what's held in the memory rather than the bit of the wobbly build. And I feel like that's what's going to happen here. Like, right now, we're complaining that it's so convoluted it makes no sense. However, come the VTR <laughs> pre-video package time, they'll kind of, they'll make it as much sense as possible. Or maybe they'll do my thing where they just play it from each person's point of view nice and slowly and take half an hour. <laughs> but... The match itself will be what is remembered as the women's main event of WrestleMania, quite possibly, and I'm expecting it to deliver. <laughs> it's just, the women involved are so talented in the ring that how could it not deliver in a way? And they're so strong character-wise as well. So again, if, sure, if it's just me looking at it from the outside, like, how could it not deliver? It's got everything going for it. And especially they're going to put effort into this. It'll be agents helping them along the way as well, not ignoring their own individual talents. So, yes, really high hopes for this. <laughs> I really, really do expect to do Mania WrestleMania. But, again, it's one of those where the build has been become so convoluted with so many things, and in a way things happen and not happen, but they did happen but not really. <laughs> and it's just twists and turns that don't always follow up and make sense. But watching each individual person's kind of involvement in it, for me, it kind of does. Aside from Vince McMahon, I don't understand Vince. <laughs> Triple H turned face and exited the feuds, which made he, his... Thing odd, but Triple H, Vince McMahon is really double for me. Where he's doing heel things for the sake of being heel, where it doesn't really make sense character-wise. It's just that he's the dickhead and he does it because. Maybe we'll get an explanation next week, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> In a way, we'll get Kofi. I'm, I'm expecting the like the wrestlers to come out and they'll do like again an occupied war type thing, but with the wrestlers. That's my expectation. And Vince's they'll have a build-up Vince's villainy, or they won't. Yeah. Anyway, Becky Lynch, yes, she's going to win at WrestleMania. Again, all the signs of what I told they built up really, really well. And especially with the two heels established, yeah, especially as it looks like Ronda Rousey is going to be leaving, what one hell of a note to leave on. And Charles, and of course, you've got your media after WrestleMania feud, if you call it Shayna Baszler. Just angry at what happened to Rousey, that kind of thing. Or maybe got a surprise and it was all a twist along <laughs> that Ronda Rousey was never leaving and they got the horse move there's a horse move you'd established who knows it'd be interesting which takes me to my final person I do need a drink before I get to this I've had a long day so just bear with me whilst I tip some water before I get in so the fourth and final top end one so the reason I wanted to leave this one to last is because it's one that sticks out for me 
So I've talked about all the others in a positive way. For me, this is one match where the outcome means a lot more than kind of the characters and individuals involved in, in a way, all the narrative going into it. So the big thing, and I saw this in the voting as well, that there were lots of people split. Either they put a specific reason or they would say he doesn't specifically need to win, but Lesnar needs to lose. Or they're saying that Rollins doesn't really need to win. It's very, very split voting with Seth Rollins to the people's opinions that I saw. But there is the general consensus that Bot Lesnar needs to lose that championship because it's holding down the entire product. That WWE, as a product, cannot move forward until he has dropped the belt. And it felt like they knew that last year uh, with, when they finally moved on to Roman Reigns and, of course, in real life, just struck a hard blow and then went back to safety mode with Bot Lesnar, which I, I won't put too much blame on them for that. But yes, it would have been nice to see Braun Strowman get that kind of opportunity. It just as a, like, it's November, why not give him a shot? But, yeah, <laughs> it's, for me, it's fine. Uh, they gave it to Brock Lesnar, yeah. But that does mean we took a huge step backwards when last year they told the whole story of Roman Reigns, uh, Brock Lesnar to WrestleMania, and then they put it on stall all the way to SummerSlam and it, nothing advanced. And it felt like in just floating about, nothing advancing, and then, then someone time came about and when they finally finished the story, which should have been finished at WrestleMania, in fact, they stalled all the way to August from April. <laughs> Start of April all the way to August. It felt like the company, on Monday Night Raw, had stalled and they weren't going anywhere. And finally, when they wind and then have to go all the way back. But, but Lesnar was so over all the way back in, I guess, 14-15 when Suplex City and all that started. He was the most over guy <laughs> in that main event match in 2015 in Silicon Valley. Uh, was awesome. A really good match against Roman Reigns, and then Seth Rollins gets, does the heist of the century and all that, like, amazing ending to the show. But, nothing, we're now five years later, and this, like, nothing has advanced or moved on or anything. <laughs> that, that, that moment of moving on was last year, and of course, we, it, was, it was unfortunate that it happened, but that was years of building to it, in, maybe not on purpose or directly, but it ended up becoming build, and then they didn't do it. They didn't pull the trigger. They got cold feet for the second time of Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar. And then he finally beat Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. And then we have to go all the way back and now, yeah. So, <laughs> yes, Seth Rollins is not Roman Reigns. However, for me, Brock Lesnar needs to lose more than Seth Rollins the character needs to win. Which is an interesting dynamic. However, for me, Brock Lesnar needing to win far outweighs... <laughs> sorry, Brock Lesnar needing to lose far outweighs any other thing. Let's just get the title off of him. <laughs> Seth Rollins is his opponent, therefore he wins. It doesn't really matter to me whether his character full-on needs it or he's kind of ready or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> needs to lose far outweighs anything else. I'm not one of those people that will say, oh, the reason needs to be that the title needs to be defended on Raw or have it all that, or just be there on Raw the title. That's not really my issue. It's just that in terms of creativity, in terms of narrative moving forward, WWE has stalled under this uh, Brock Lesnar Universal title era. And in terms of the quality of the product, that title either needs to be there or not be on him. They need to move on in some fashion. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of my feeling. Not forgetting that not like, long before that, we had The Rock win the championship at Royal Rumble for the road to WrestleMania. The championship wasn't really there either. <laughs> Shortly after going to Brock Lesnar, we have this huge era. <laughs> of like Goldberg winning it, not there much, not much. Lesnar winning it, not really there. 
that it would be nice for AVS on Mania to be there. But also it feeds into the other aspect of the modern day talent. As I thought, like Kofi Kingston, Daniel Bryan, that is, they are full time guys doing that. But the other one, the women's match, that is, that's full time women, <laughs> all like in this amazing spot going into WrestleMania. Seth Rollins, Bot Lesnar. I do not care about Bot Lesnar. <laughs> like all of his, like I now wind through the Paul Heyman promos because within the span of six years, I feel like I've seen, I've heard it all. There's nothing new that can be really said to interest me now. <laughs> like, Paul Heyman is an amazing promo for me it kind of set, makes the point that when he comes out there I'm ready to whine because I feel like I am not going to hear anything new and I'm either either I zone now or he has to say something really remarkable or something that works really well story wise for me to really pay attention or to really appreciate the promo but like, I'm not saying I don't appreciate the Paul Heyman promos it's just that I have heard so many of them that they don't really hold any new reason to watch them. <laughs> it's just, yeah, like I am, the presentation worked really well, but I'm now done with it. I do not need any more of this. <laughs> I was over full last year, and now I'm to the point of winding through it because I am, like, I'm fully done. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't need to watch it anymore. I can get the gist of what's going to happen. I can form it in my head because I've seen it so many times already. <sighs> but. Seth Rollins' road has been a bit interesting. So for me, we are now two weeks away from WrestleMania, and the man who won the Royal Rumble in Seth Rollins has the least motivation, not motivation, he has the least steam behind him going into his match at WrestleMania. And it was like, original thought that this could main event, but for me, the only reason it would main event is because WWE say it's the Raw title and it's Brock Lesnar, therefore it main events. For me, it's like, like, no, that's not enough for me. <laughs> In the modern landscape of WWE, Brock Lesnar, unfortunately, is a bit old news. Like, <laughs> his time as a kind of a relevant guy that I'm interested in has come and gone now. Like, yes, there was a time I was super interested in, especially 2015. At 14-15, Brock Lesnar, like, him beating The Undertaker, going on that amazing run all the way to WrestleMania, that was something awesome. <laughs> that entire run was uh, really well done and it felt unique because he wasn't there that was new at the time but they've not moved on from that <laughs> we're still in that point where the champion's not there and it's yeah, it's Brock Lesnar he's in the main event every time but yeah I'm um, done with Brock Lesnar but with the narrative Seth Rollins because Lesnar's not been there hasn't really gone anywhere and he's lost a lot of steam mostly because uh, Becky Lynch in that way the, with the Becky Lynch Charlotte and Ronda Rousey Feud, those three women, for 100%, they have taken that main event feel for their match and they've ran with it. Seth Rollins doesn't have that buzz. <laughs> Lynch, Charlotte, Rousey, they have that buzz. Kingston, Daniel Bryan, uh, even though it doesn't feel like it's going to be the main event, it still has that buzz and steam behind it. Seth Rollins, Lesnar, doesn't. And what really didn't help was this week, where they had Paul Heyman come out, cut a, cut a good Paul Heyman promo, but it was no, it was it was a Paul Heyman promo we've heard a million times. Therefore, was anything really new said just because he's cut so many of these? How good he's got to that point of well, they can't possibly be new because he's cut so many of them. He's said it all, <laughs> but but yeah. So they kind of set that up, and then Seth Rollins goes after Drew McIntyre because Drew McIntyre attacks Roman Reigns from behind, and then he viciously attacks Seth Rollins. Uh, Seth Rollins then Seth Rollins attacks Dean Ambrose. Then Seth Rollins this week wants revenge for that, so he goes out to Drew McIntyre. But then Brock Lesnar's music plays distracts Seth Rollins. Drew McIntyre gets the win. So first of all, 
For me, this is building up Drew McIntyre to face Roman Reigns. I'm fine with that. That's, that'll be great for uh, Drew McIntyre, and it'll be a great comeback for Roman Reigns. For yeah, yeah, Roman Reigns. Thought said the wrong name for a second. Don't know if the Ambrose will be involved in some way, maybe. <coughs> but don't know if Roman will have a friend. Like, I don't know who. Thought for a second it could be Baron Corbin, but he's taking Kurt Angle in the match. I don't care about <laughs> So that's sad times. But still, the Seth Rollins build is really weird. For me, him being distracted by Brock Lesnar's music and then losing doesn't really help, aside from building Drew McIntyre for the Drew McIntyre Roman Reigns match. Again, I'm assuming that's what's going to happen, and mostly because I'm fine with that. That'll be a mid-card match I'm at least interested in. Compared to uh, Shane Miz, I'm sorry. Miz got a, cut an awesome promo with SmackDown. It was really, really good. But I, I don't care about the Google storyline at all. <laughs> like, from day one, it's just been off to me. <laughs> it's just the way it started with the World Cup. Again, it was a show I didn't watch because of, like, the huge, you know, state sponsored murder stuff. But... <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, and the uh, Great Royal Rumble wasn't very good. <laughs> so it's also from that side as well. <laughs> so, yes, it was uh, the you got the political stance, but also I, I wasn't expecting the show to be very good, so I didn't want to waste my time watching a crap show. <laughs> so it's the two things together, and you can you can build up the fact you did it for political reason, but also the other heavy thing was that I didn't expect it to be very good. <laughs> but still, yeah, I don't know why I was talking about that. <laughs> I've gone off quite some way, uh, but yeah. This the Seth Rollins doesn't really feel like he's got much steam going into this, and him getting defeated in that manner so easily, where personally I feel like you should be building him up. So I feel like that's a bit of an issue that they've entered into, is the idea that they've got to take the characters down to make them the underdog so that they can fight back up. But there's only two weeks left. For me, now you need to be doing the face-offs. Now is the point where you're meant to be doing the hype. You see them in training like I'm going to beat you. Like Triple H would be in the gym working out all those things that I'm going to beat your ass at WrestleMania, that kind of stuff. Like focusing in on the match, they're going to be ready for it, that kind of thing. But they're still breaking the heroes down to build them back up. Which, yes, that is a regularly used narrative idea, but they're still doing it so close that there is no time to build it up and you end up doing Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns both holding the title going, no, it's mine, <laughs> in like the worst. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, I did say like, Brock Lesnar's run 2015 was great. That wasn't. The final roar before WrestleMania where they had Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns tugging on the belt, <laughs> going, this is my belt, no, it's my belt. <laughs> and everyone then immediately going on to Twitter just like, what, what is this? <laughs> this is so weird. Uh, yeah that was a interesting time <laughs> but still this uh, yeah, yeah, the main point being I feel like Seth Rollins has lost a lot of steam and then still breaking him down to build him back up with only two weeks left for me wasn't the right move for me this should have been building Seth Rollins up to prove that he can take on the beast rather than the beast causing him to lose to the big man or maybe the idea was we never found out if Seth Rollins could beat a big man like Brock Lesnar because that's in a way also why he faced Drew McIntyre in a way to prep for the big man he faces another big man and we never got to, we never got to find out if he could conquer that other beast so going into WrestleMania it's still up in the air whether Seth Rollins will actually win but again <laughs> the need of the many far outweighs the need of Seth Rollins to be the one who wins <laughs> Lesnar needs to lose more than so WWE can move on more than the character Seth Rollins needs to win because he's fought hard and he needs this moment. 
which is what Kingston and Lynch is for me. Kingston and Lynch are, are both two very character-driven narratives. Seth Rollins, there is no narrative. Like the Shield stuff with Roman coming back to kind of form one quick, one last time, did help distract from the fact that Brock Lesnar wasn't there and Seth Rollins is then not cutting promos to a wall or a ghost or whatever. But that also means that in that meantime, Kofi Kingston and Becky Lynch have had their stories kind of added to and built, and again, they've built up that steam of taking that buzz. But after Seth Rollins, there was no buzz added, there was nothing built up. And they've really only got three, four, they've only had like three, four weeks to build it up. And one was setting it up to get back into it. This one was the one fully getting back in and focusing on Rollins Lesnar. So now they've only got two weeks to finish telling the story. <laughs> they've only just started it back up again. And of course, Bot Lesnar's not going to be there next week. It's going to be back to just Seth Rollins. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, this was meant to be a positive one. But for me, Seth Rollins, Bot Lesnar, it has lost a lot of steam narrative wise, whereas the other two have been fueled by the narratives. Seth Rollins, Bot Lesnar. The main intriguing point for me is the idea of the Lesnar era finally coming to an end and them not getting cold feet, having Rollins win. Then you've got three crowd-pleasing moments all happening on the same show. It feels like it would be a very natural way for the new era to get a lot of injection to start running. It's, not, it's been very stop-start since they've announced that. Like every, it feels like they've tried new things out or new things have happened <laughs> to create these new eras. It's been included, like the latest one being the NXT call-ups, which would be like the third or fourth time they've tried to rejuvenate the show. <laughs> just like, just pick something and stick with it. <laughs> this is really weird. Yeah. But yes, for me, the main events of WrestleMania look like they're going to deliver in their own unique ways. And it could be a very crowd-pleasing show in the end. Now, I didn't actually say who I feel like needs to win out Triple H Batista. And the answer is, I don't think I care enough. <laughs> to predict it as that it brings the variety to the card to maybe, maybe people who have kind of checked out of, of WWE for me who is not one of those people with this match doesn't mean much even though I've enjoyed Batista turning up and doing his narrative stuff like the opposite of Becky of the women's match in a way where their narrative is a bit all over the place but I expect the match to be brilliant with Triple H Batista the build up feel and narrative feels very focused well the match itself, I'm not really expecting more than a walk and ball. <laughs> so, uh, who knows? But anyway, at WrestleMania, a very top-heavy card. I don't know how spread it will be across the show. You could have Kingston versus Danny Bryan in like the middle of the show. It's an awesome feel-good moment to kick things back into gear. But, yeah, those, those three title matches in particular feel like they're going to really deliver on the night and narrative and crowd-pleasing way as well. So, yeah, that's the message of the show. Despite... In spite of itself, WrestleMania looks like it's going to be a very good show, especially the top end. The only issue for me is uh, is it's too long. Have WWE got in their own way and put too much on the card to make it like you know, made the overall show a bit difficult to watch because of how long it was? We won't know until the night. I was surprised by SummerSlam. I don't know what people thought, but I personally really enjoyed SummerSlam. I thought it flowed really well in spite of its length. So we could get that at WrestleMania. So I'm not going to complain too much about the length. The only reason I'm pain, complaining about the length of the show is because I live in Europe and it's going to be daytime by the time it finishes. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm complaining. <laughs> My attention span and the facts would be that. <laughs> I've got to stop adding reasons. <laughs> I can't say That's the only reason I add another one. Yeah. Anyway, so next week is the, I guess, penultimate show before WrestleMania. We'll be talking about all the news from the previous week and going into WrestleMania and all that as well. And this also means 
I've only got two more of these shows uh, doing my solo shows, which is kind of sad. We'll back away a tear. <laughs> so, okay, so, after WrestleMania, Burn is returning, and we're doing this kind of format of talking uh, the news from that week of uh, in WWE, just, just on the breath outside of WWE, and then we're focusing on Raw and SmackDown and whatnot and NXT. The interesting time for my show. <laughs> Everything is switching up. So, yes, enjoy these last few shows with me. As I said, I was meant to be recording the show. Had a huge muck-up with various things happening, so hopefully this audio uploads. <laughs> and I will be back at this same time next week. Thank you for listening to this. Thank you for listening to any shows on Lots of Pain. Read my columns. Follow me on Twitter. I said that at the start of the show. Follow me on Twitter, at the Diamond the Cat. Read my columns. Read Rich Latter's columns. And uh, I'll see you next week. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Hmm.